It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Toss the bottom line. The Stone Cold Simpson. Everybody dies. Because I'm better than you, and you know it. The Mount with, with Alex Lowe's, Josh Silverberg, and Lyle Gillen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the only wrestling talk show here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Hi, Sam. Welcome to Off the Match with you every Friday from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right here on WWSRN. I'm Josh Silberg, your host. I got my co-host with me. I got one of the two tonight. Mr. Alex Lowe's. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Josh. It's been an amazing week. Uh, a lot of things happened in the world of wrestling. Uh, tonight, actually, MLW Blood and Thunder is happening. So that's going to be a good show. It's being oh, taped in uh, t- Dallas tonight. And so that's going to be an interesting show because Buddy Murphy is going to be appearing there. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to all the topics we have on the show tonight, including AEW, GCW's pay-per-view of the world on GCW, and so much more. It's going to be a great show, ladies and gentlemen. Lyle Gillen is not here today. He is at the Islander game, cheering on the last place Islanders against the Arizona Coyotes. And of course, we have Speedy Petey producing as well. We have a great guest going on. I also wanted to add, a, I know it's a last minute topic, Alex, but I, I wanted to add it a little bit later on, and it was about Bully Ray. And the comments he made about John Moxley owing the fans an apology, very much against that uh, statement by Bully Ray. I think it's on bad taste on his part. Um, really quick, before we get to our guest, here's how you could listen to our show every Friday, along with other shows like the Sports Loudmouths, <clears throat> excuse me, Weapons Hot, the Ryan Hickey Show, uh, the Betting Show, other shows that. Uh, are on our network. Here's what you do. If you have an iPhone, you go to the Apple Store, you type in WWSRN. If you have an Android, you go to the Google Play Store, you type in Worldwide Sports. Check us out there. Download it. It's free. It's easy. Check out our show schedules, our articles, all of our great content. Uh, if, if you want to re-listen to the show or re-watch the show, you can with the clips. You can listen to the audio feed as well if you are driving. Alex, if you want to quickly plug the um, the website for us. Absolutely. It is off the mat, www.srn.com. The link is available in our Twitter, which is at off the mat, www.srn. You click on that website link, and you'll get access to our upcoming pay-per-view and show schedule for all the wrestling shows and major wrestling shows that are happening happening in 2022. Then we have a show archive where you can watch all the replays of our recent shows, an Anchor FM archive, special guest interview page where we have all the interviews for our past guests, and you can get access to that. And then we have an ACW, American Combat Wrestling page, and a Contact Us page. So please be sure to check out that website as we have a lot that we're adding to it, a lot that we're adding to it every week. So please be sure to check that out. And also our number is 203-903-8271. That's 203-903-8271. If you have a comment or a question you want to ask us or the guests that we have coming on, you certainly can. I will read those comments on the Facebook page as well. But 
our guest, ladies and gentlemen, from a wonderful, wonderful podcast that I've gotten to listen to due to Alex getting me connected to listening to it. It's a great show. Yeah, it's an amazing show. And I'm excited to have him on. We're all excited to have him be a part of this show yes, this week. Absolutely. From Keeping It Strong Style, Mr. Joshua Smith. How you doing, man? I'm doing really well. We're so excited to have you on. Uh, we can't wait. We're all big New Japan fans here. As I, I got my great. Oh, we love New Japan. Is, you know, I actually got Moxley's shirt on tonight. Well, <laughs> to, to be fair with that, Alex wears that shirt once every other week, so that doesn't really matter, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But everything like that. But Josh, we wanted to bring you in because there's so much to talk about. Um, first off, uh, we want to know, how did you get into New Japan and how did you get Keeping a Strong Style started and everything like that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And before we go into that, I just want to thank you guys for, you know, uh, allowing me to come on the show. Uh, much appreciated. Absolutely. Of course, man. Um, yeah, as far as getting into New Japan, I mean, I think I've always had some um, awareness of New Japan. Like, I, I'm a lifelong wrestling fan going on to 34 this year. You're um, 34, you look like you're 24, man. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, growing up, you know, watched all sorts of different wrestling and i remember um kind of being acutely aware of new japan just because of their uh relationships with like wcw you'd see guys like muta and liger and chono and you know even enoki like sort of make appearances for for wcw back in the day and then um uh my first real exposures came twofold my brother was a uh you know he did a lot of martial arts and we would get all these different tapes uh either from like video stores or from like tape trading of like shoot style wrestling and, you know, early no holds barred fighting. And you never knew what was on those tapes. And sometimes we'd get pro wrestling, you know, and um, that's where I started first, like becoming really exposed to new Japan and other pro resu. And then uh, obviously when the internet came along and you could just jump on YouTube before like all the copyrights, you could pretty much catch most of the big matches, you know, most big Tokyo matches, stuff like that. So, I mean, I've been watching New Japan and following it, you know, pretty regularly, most, uh, at least since like 2005, 2006, you know, um, as far as starting the show, um, you know, obviously when Wrestle Kingdom 9 occurred here, that was the first really big explosion for New Japan in the States, and a lot more people got exposed to it that way, and uh, I've got a group of friends here locally who all started kind of paying attention to the product and watching it, and um they were all, we already, we host a uh, podcasting network, social suplex podcasting network and uh, lots of great shows on there. I was not really involved with it, but a buddy of mine wanted to start a podcast. He, me and him were kind of talking about things we might do. And I remember we watched a SummerSlam. We were just kind of fed up with the WWE product. We were really unhappy with the way that the whole, I don't remember which, well, it was like four years ago. So whatever SummerSlam that was. And um, we're like, you know, why are we, even watching this why don't we you know just focus our attention on new japan there's not that many people covering online at least not on a high level anyways and uh, why don't we we already talk on the phone or you know bullshit you know or am i allowed to cuss i don't know what the rules yeah, are yeah no you are trust me <laughs> our, our usual co-host here lyle gillen i think curses more than he curses like a drunken sailor so don't worry okay um <laughs> But, you know, um, we basically be like, we already do this anyways. We usually call each other and, you know, kind of talk about what's going on. And we're doing it for free. 
and nobody's seeing it, why don't we just put a mic in front of it and start recording and see what happens? And then that's kind of the genesis of keeping a strong style. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of success with it. We've been able to get press credentials to cover live events, you know, across the country for New Japan, um, interviewed some of the bigger names in the company and just, uh, you know, it, it kind of grew to be something bigger than we ever thought it would actually be. Go for it, Alex. So my next, I said to you so to my ask question, the next question, Alex. Yeah. So my question for you, Joshua, is uh, about the Wrestle Kingdom 16 attendance compared to Wrestle Kingdom 14, and I actually have the numbers in front of me. So uh -huh. for Wrestle Kingdom 14, night one was 40,008, night two was 30,063, and combined that was 70,071. For Wrestle right. Kingdom 16, it was... 12,047 for night one and night two, 6,379. And the combined was 18,426. It, it, does that jump shock you in any way in, in, in regards to attendance? Uh, no, not at all. Um, if you've been paying attention to the product, I mean, obviously we're living in a COVID world. We have been for the greater part of two years. And um, all throughout that time period, there's been all sorts of different um, regulations and rules uh, and, you know, mandates that have come down from, you know, um, Japan and different prefectures and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, there was a point where they were having shows in empty arenas and then it got to a point, you know, um, I won't go through the whole laundry list, but there's just been a lot of different restrictions and, and injuries too. a lot of the injuries. Yeah, injuries. And I mean, there's a lot. If we want to talk about business, that's different. But um, as far as just attendance goes, it's primarily all based on the restrictions that are in place there. I mean, the the numbers they did, uh, a more comparable, um, you know, uh, comparison would be the the numbers for WrestleMania the night or the year before, which were slightly higher, but not much. They're pretty comparable. And I mean, yeah, business is down a little bit, but uh, it's, you know, they're not allowed to put 40 or 50,000 people no. in the Tokyo Dome. They're only allowed to put 10,000 or, or such. I don't, and you know, the rules change so often. I don't even know what the rules actually were that were in place uh, in the early part of January, but I just know that they, uh, they've been lifted and then brought back down and then lifted. So it's, it's kind of changed a lot, but um, you know, I do feel optimistic about their business going forward uh, once the borders open up once they can get outside talent coming in, once they are allowed to kind of, um, you know, go back to their regular touring schedule and do what they do best. And right now they can't. Yeah. And it's been killing them. I mean, you can see it in TV ratings. You can see it with uh, crowd, crowd attendance. And you, you can also see it with the performers. Uh, well, I wouldn't say killing them. Um, now recently, this is a, Peeling the curtain back a little bit, you know, um, Bushi Road stock did just take a recent hit. Um, there was a news article in Tokyo Sports, Tetsuya Naito resigned with the company. And um, this is something we'd heard behind the scenes was that most people that are resigning with the company are being expected to take pay cuts. He disclosed that his pay cut was 24%, which sounds pretty substantial. That might not be the same across the board for everybody. They're a live touring company and they haven't been able to do live touring. Um, as far as fan interest, yeah, it's waned a bit in the States. I don't think – I think it's still going strong in Japan. It's hard to have a hot product when you can't bring in new talent and you can't maximize the types of angles and, and uh, booking that they're, they're typically used to doing. But I would say – I wouldn't say that they're dying or – you know, it, it's a lull. And it's, yeah. it's basically brought, brought upon by, um, you know, 
things that they can't really uh, control. The one thing I would say, though, which is nice, given all the circumstances that have been put in front of them and their position as like the market leader in uh, Japan, they've kind of handled it better than I think most people or most other like companies and executives and bookers probably would have, honestly. All right, so I'm the I'm the king of like the two part question. I I get mocked for it all the time, so bear sure. with me here. <laughs> um, last year was a very interesting year, especially for New Japan. It was a mm-hmm. very very tricky year for them. I understood Josh what they were trying to do when they were trying to create new heavyweight champions like yeah. Evil. Uh, Ibushi, Osprey, uh, Shingo. I got it. I get it. You want a fresh face. You want to try something different. See how it works. See where it goes. It was a very. It, some of it was very awkward. I don't know how you feel. Like to me, I felt evil being the heavyweight champion. While I understood it because he had just joined Bullet Club, it felt weird. Like it didn't feel right to me that he was the heavyweight champion. One, what is what were your thoughts on them now going back to Okada to be in the main stage as the the face of the not that he wasn't ever the left as being the face of the company, but what were your thoughts on being brought back as the heavyweight champion and going with what they know works? And two, do you think the creativity with them was kind of maybe wasn't the best idea with some of these guys? Like to me, Osprey would have worked. The problem with Osprey was he got hurt at a really bad time, and the United Empire was just starting to take off, and then he gets hurt, and it kind of puts a little bump in the road for them, and now they're trying to swing it back, and then Osprey loses at Wrestle Kingdom. So again, what were your thoughts on them going back to what they know works in Okada? And two, did you think any of the creative ideas with them of being the heavyweight champion was a little bit off? Because... I'm used to New Japan only having like two. When Okada was champion, he kept it the whole year. I'm, I'm maybe you have two different champions. I think the last before Okada, I think they've had what four or five different champions the last two years, three years. It's very unlike them. I'll try to unload it piece by piece. So you know, starting off with um, the evil um, answer. I've never been a big fan of the evil. Any longtime listener of the show will know that even at the height of his popularity and when his matches were considered good, I still was never really a big supporter or overly impressed with him. Even when he was teaming with Sonata, you weren't you were like, eh. I thought they were a very good tag team. I didn't think that um, he was a great singles guy. I thought he had a handful of great matches and a lot of kind of middle-of-the-road matches. It, he didn't do a lot for me. I do understand what they were trying to do when they decided to put the strap on him and give him the push, but um, we, we really tore into that like very, very, very heavily uh, at the time. And it was mainly because, sh- sure, they could go with the new guy, but um, there's there were so many other uncrowned champions at the time that made more sense to me, like Kota Ibushi, like Shingo Takagi, like Will Ospreay, guys that they all ended up going with later. And then not, that's not even to mention all the proven commodities like Naito and Okada, Tanahashi, you know, what have you. So um, they tried to give him a push. Um, I can't think of too many guys in, re- in the recent past that uh, – a major company like that has given the strap to, and then they just 
ended up worse off afterwards, which I think is what has happened with him. Uh, the most comparable thing I can think of in maybe WWE is like uh, Jinder Mahal, you know, someone who got the push, got the strap for a long period of time, and it, it didn't do much for him. So, I mean, that's kind of my feelings on um, Evil. Unfortunately, they've kind of doubled down on it and given him his own faction, and that sort of thing has been the one Thing really plaguing the booking and the creative with New Japan over the past year, year and a half that I'm not a big fan of and that, that our show is pretty critical of. Um, as far as like uh, when it comes to the title, I mean, you got to keep in mind, um, there's a lot that, that you're asking there because we're talking about an 18 to 24 month period. You know, they merged the intercontinental and the heavyweight titles to form the, the new world title. I was later what your thoughts were on them doing that. Yeah, and I mean, we can save that, but I mean, um, and then the other thing too is like what you guys alluded to earlier. I mean, they've they've had to face COVID, they've had to face injuries, they've had to face, um, you know, one of the biggest things is um, Gato. He's one of the best bookers in history. I mean, he won Booker of the Year like eight or nine years in a row, something like that. He's on like a 10 or 11 year run of consistency, but uh, he has certain... Um, patterns and things that he likes to do based around tournaments, based around certain scheduling. And then once you kind of throw so many monkey wrenches into it with the the schedule and the way that they've had to kind of alter their touring and the way that their broadcasts go and everything, it, it has created a lot of challenges for them when it comes to creating stars, when it comes to uh, doing long-term um, storylines, something that they're known for and very, very good at. They haven't been able to kind of like execute those the way that they wanted to. And, they have been throwing a lot of spaghetti to the wall to kind of see what does stick. Um, I, I'm fine with them having gone with Ibushi and Osprey and Shingo. Yes, there's been a bit more turnover with the title, but I mean, um, they have really elevated uh, three new guys. I mean, we've seen that Shingo won the Tokyo Sports MVP this past year. Um, he really, you know, pretty much carried the, the company on his back for the greater part of the year. Kota Ibushi, I mean, you take a look at the Wrestling Observer Newsletter um, Hall of Fame voting, he jumped like 20 or 40, 20 or 30 percent this past year. And really what changed the main thing was he won in the Tokyo Dome and carried the strap. And he's got he's gotten a lot more recognition from journalists and pundits. So, I mean, I think that's a good thing, too. And then, you know, you look at Will Ospreay and I mean, you know, chances are five years from now, we're, we're going to probably be talking about him as one of the greatest of all time. Right in line with the same uh, the way the same way people talk about you know Okada, Omega, guys like that, AJ Styles. So um, again, it's just it's one of those things right now where yeah, there's been some turnover. Yeah, they didn't go with Okada. They've kind of had to rehab Okada now that they're finally at a place where they can set him up. They 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 put the title on him this past uh, January, and he's kind of going to be the guy that carries the company going forward. That's sort of what you alluded to. Are you and okay what, with that? Do you think it's a smart decision? I think it's always a smart decision when you have the greatest worker of a generation and the biggest draw of your company. That's how I look at it. Go yeah. with what works and go with what's actually dance in the first place. Go well, with yeah, what but, sticks. But here's the thing. They have a lot of guys that do work. Naito works. Naito is a huge, huge, huge draw. You know, um, Tanahashi works. You know, um, Shingo works. Will Ospreay works. All those guys have fantastic matches. All those guys are charismatic. All those guys could be top top champions in any company. Um, and I'm fine with Okada getting the ball once again. And um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward with him. 
since they are starting to open up more, they're going to have bigger shows. It's their 50th year right now. And, you know, there is a, a long list of new opponents that maybe he hasn't had before. There's new stories to be told since they have kept him away from the title for a while, which they needed to do because it was getting stale. And now it seems fresh again. Yep. Absolutely. And really quick before Alex goes, and I agree with you, Josh, I'm just wondering if, if Osprey didn't get hurt, does he still even, is he still champion? That's, that's the thing I think we might look back at and say, cause he had a lot of momentum and he was starting a faction and yeah. hot, you know, and then like you said, but the thing is it helped Shingo not, listen, Shingo is wonderful. He's one, in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated wrestlers on the planet. Shingo Takaki. I mean, that's just, it's my take on it. It's always how I felt about it. I'm just wondering if maybe if Osprey didn't get hurt, he might still be champion today. You never know, but, you know. Well, it's not just that. There was a lot of people that were speculating that once Osprey left and they did strap up Shingo, that they would maybe switch the title to Ibushi. And all year, there's been plenty of spots where it felt like maybe Ibushi could be the next guy to maybe take the title off him or maybe be the G1 winner or what have you. And, you know, there was meningitis and then there was injuries and then there was COVID and yada, yada, yada. And so you kind of combine the fact that Abushi kept kind of getting hurt or injured and kind of postponed, having setbacks. Same thing with Osprey. It kind of created a scenario where they had to keep the title on Shingo and it did benefit him. It did benefit the company. But I don't, you know, I can't sit here and speculate and say I know exactly what would have happened because I don't. But um, I do think that Osprey probably would have had a longer run. And I don't even know if they would have ever put the title on Shingo to begin with. Go for it, Alex. So that interludes into my next question about Okada, because we saw in a post-match press conference that Okada said he would like to go up against CM Punk. You know, it's a tough one when you're talking about dream matches like that. We all want them, and that's great. Mox, you know, guys that are high up, but, you know, you can kind of tell who maybe should or would eat the pin. And, you know, even if like a Lance Archer beats a Mox, you know, somewhere down the line, he's going to pay that favor back. But when you've got top, top, tip top talent from two companies yeah. and, you know, they're playing ball together, but they could also be seen as rivals. There's a lot of politics involved. So it's hard to say if it ever will happen. And if it did, what the outcomes might be, you're running into like AWA super clash, 1988 issues all over again. Um, I would love to see those matches happen. Um, I don't really care if it happens in a new Japan or a, AEW ring or if hypothetically someday they ran some sort of co-promoted show like we've seen with Ring of Honor in New Japan but um you know definitely I mean why who wouldn't want to see those matches I mean you're talking about two of the biggest stars stateside and and you know the biggest star in in Japan right now obviously that would be fantastic I just I don't know with the egos and the money involved how that actually all plays out it seems like uh those guys would have to lose to Okada probably um, you know, and that's, I don't know if Tony Khan's going to go for that, you know? Yeah. We're talking to keeping a strong style podcast host, Joshua Smith. Uh, Alex, I know you want to say something. Quick yeah. He, and you're absolutely right to that point, because if Tony, if Tony doesn't feel like it's right for Dan, Brian Danielson or CM Punk, he's not going to pull the trigger on him. That's true. And keep in mind, you know, Okada's the most protected commodity in all of Japan. He's, they're not going to, uh, you know, Bushi Road and Ghetto and Obari, all those guys, they're not going to have him job. Like he's, he wouldn't job unless he, uh, if he dropped the strap, 
and he was titleless, then maybe we could talk about a uh, potential loss. But as long as he's champion, he's not going to lose to those guys. Not happening. I want you to get. I have a couple. I have a couple more questions with you. If you, if as long as you could stay on with us, we don't want to hold your schedule or anything like that. I've got. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can go probably for at least another twenty minutes. Perfect. Probably maybe awesome. thirty. So, um, their big show before COVID happened was going to be at Madison Square Garden, Wrestle Dynasty. Supposed to be rescheduled to last year, got canceled again. And moved to this. Haven't heard a peep about it since. Sure. All. I would like to think this is still going to happen, right, Josh? Especially since they now have this relationship with AEW. I mean, or is it just completely kaput and they're not doing it anymore, period, end of discussion? I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, the people we talked to haven't said anything about it. I got to tell you my honest opinion. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that they were, they had a lot of momentum uh, at that time, but business was very different. The world was very different. And, you know, they don't need, they had a, a partner. I'm not saying that it was going to be a co-promoted show because they had mentioned that, but hypothetically, if they'd wanted to involve like ring of honor talent at the time, they could have ring of honors, like barely a company, anymore at all like you know that whole thing's dead now they're like they were partnering with AEW a little bit they were partnering with impact a little bit so right something with them so right and at this current time they have some quasi talent trades and working relationships with a multitude of different stateside companies could they you know work something out yes but do they have the fan interest and the heat and momentum they had two years ago to go back and sell out yeah. Madison Square Garden I don't think so the only way they could is if they literally did do a dream show co-promoted AEW uh, type deal. I, I just don't see that happening. I think it's highly unlikely. Stranger things have happened in wrestling, but um, you know they, they've kind of changed their entire approach here in the States, which is great. What they're doing right now, if you go to a strong taping, you are going to a quote-unquote TV taping, but basically what it is, it's a uh, three to four hour long New Japan show that would be basically the equivalent of like a B pay-per-view. In New Japan or in Japan, and then they just cut it up for television into three or four segments, and so you're getting to watch a really, really good, you know, it, it's not the same thing as like going to, to full sale and watching an NXT taping and and watching it all play out, and so it's kind of smart what they're doing. Hopefully, it continues to be successful. They've had really good TV here in the states. They need to work some kinks out, but uh, as far as big, big uh, productions like that, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't see them doing Madison Square Garden again, especially with the way New York is especially with the way that the uh, mandates have been over there. And I just don't see it happening. It was a big thing. It was a hot topic. And you don't see any of nothing. It, nothing no. exists anymore. It's like it never happened. Like I, I got my original Will Ospreay shirt from Hot Topic. Like Hot Topic in New Japan had a partnership. Did that kind of hurt in the, in the States a little bit, that Hot Topic kind of lost the – maybe with the partnership – with New Japan a little bit because when you would go to a, a, a Hot Topic store, Bullet Club shirts and even Okada shirts and other shirts were now you can't even find one. Yeah, everything's on Pro Wrestling Tees now, and if it's not, then they actually have their own um, Tokon Shop Global, yes, yeah, United States Shop. Um, you know, I can't speak to all that because I don't know the ins and outs of the business. I I would venture to say because my understanding is you can still get. Um, AEW and WWE shirts there now too, right? So not even, no, so I went to a Hot Topic store the other day, 
and there was not a single shirt up for sale in Hot Topic in, in the store, which I thought was – now, they sell them on the website, but it's kind mm. of crazy because they sell them in clearance prices. Yeah, I, I think there's no denying the impact that uh, having the Bullet Club and the elite stuff and all that and how much of an impact that made for the visibility of New Japan in the States at the time. But um, – you know, as those guys kind of shifted and start formed their own group, a lot of the the fans that were fans of them kind of shifted that way. I don't know if that altered the deal they had with Hot Topic. I don't really even know if it was a deal with New Japan or if it was just a deal with, uh, you know, um, those guys. So I couldn't really speak to that. I think, is it a detriment? Yeah, but how much it is, I, I really don't know. I think the bigger issue has been that they, they were off Access TV, and Access TV seemed to be the biggest. Uh, that and then also losing the elite and letting them go to form AEW. Those have been the two most detrimental things. And now, and now they're back on access, which is going to be huge for them. Exactly. They're back on access, which I think is very helpful. They're, you know, in a quasi working relationship with AEW. So that's helpful. And they've done a really great job building the strong brand here in the States, like I mentioned. And so not only are the shows good, but they have a long list of guys that have never been to Japan, all these LA dojo guys, all these guys off the indies, the ROH guys have kind of picked up and when the borders open up and they can travel, they're going to have a, a laundry list of big, big matches and new talents to kind of uh, tell stories with that, you know, Gato didn't have all these toys in his play box before. Yeah, by the way, really quick, I just wanted to say, I know my cat's here. His favorite wrestler is Hiromu. He loves Hiromu <laughs> a lot. He's a fan. There's a reason for that. So, you know, but uh, <laughs> just wanted to throw that in there. Go for it, Alex. So my next question is about is about the event that's happening in March, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Style Evolved. Are you looking forward to that? Because I'm trying to go out to that event. I, I've been trying to get tickets for that. It's been insane lately. Because my last New Japan show was actually in 2020. Yeah, um, we're very excited for that. Um, we're actually going to be hosting um, the podcast. So. Um, it, the, the, keeping a strong style is myself and then also my co-host uh, Jeremy Donovan and uh, we're going to be hosting a uh, fan meetup we we held one at the previous um, show that was held in St. Pete uh, it was very successful we're going to be doing another one we don't have all the details um, marked down yet but I think around like 2pm 3pm there's a local brewery just down the road we're going to be hosting that we're working on we, – we are talking to the company, so we might be having, like, giveaways, raffles. We're trying to see if any of the talent are going to show up. Um, we don't have all that worked out because it is a little ways down the way, but we will be at that show. I am looking forward to it, and, um, you know, we're going to have – as more information comes out, maybe we'll let you guys know. You guys can promote it here on the yeah, show. Absolutely. Um, Alex, I mean, I live in New York, but Alex lives right in, in, in uh, St. Pete. Don't you I live right in, like, Tampa, so it's yeah. about, like, 30, 40-minute drive. Yeah. Yeah, we had like uh, around like 40 or 50 fans um, show up to our previous uh, fan meetup, and it was really cool. So we hope to do more of that this time and, you know, just kind of bring a sense of community and kind of promote New Japan and promote the show that we do and uh, kind of just get people involved that way and have fun, you know. Absolutely. And uh, is with New Japan being in Florida, is it just as big as it is in any other state where they have like New Japan Strongs? shows and tapings like that it's really hard to say because it's still kind of early going so far they've done most of those new japan strong tapings either in california texas philly and then i think um you know obviously here in florida but um 
you know, some of the, some of them have been very successful. Some of them not so much. The ones in Texas didn't seem to draw as well. The ones in California seem to do very well. They they just went up uh, to like Washington, and I heard that those that show was supposed to be incredible. Um, those haven't made air yet, but uh, when they do, there's some big surprises coming that way. So, I mean, the thing is, is you know, they're kind of just uh, the one thing that they got going for them is they don't have to do um, you know three, four, five nights in one area. They just do one big show in one city where they don't go to all the time. So they still have that kind of exclusivity when they show up, they put on a great show and then they get to utilize that to create like three or four episodes of television. So it's cost productive, but it also, you know, kind of makes it to where like, if they decide to come back a year or two from now, people are probably going to be jonesing for it. They're not burning out the territory, so to speak. My, my thought process is you know, you and you brought it up earlier. It's you know so many different things when the borders open up that they could do so yeah. many things and they could achieve a lot because you know the Good Brothers signed a contract with Impact that allows them to compete in New Japan, but unfortunately they can't do that with everything. And even the reports are that FTR signed a contract with AEW that lets them because F- apparently FDR's uh, dream is to compete in New Japan at some point, as is Brian Danielson's as well. Those were some of their agreements in their contracts. You know, and, and we've seen the relationship with Minoru Suzuki showing up to AEW along with other people that have come. Rocky Romero's now there annually. They're doing the whole chaos thing with Orange Cassidy and stuff like that. You know, when these borders really do open up, it, are these relationships going to continue to stay the way they are in the sense that, okay, can FTR really go? Or when CM Punk made that notion during a press conference, hey, maybe I want to go compete in the G1. Would Tony Khan let him really do it? And two, when are Jay White and the good bro- and not the uh, G.O.D. and even Chris Bay... When are these guys, like, especially Jay White, Jay White's a massive character and a massive guy for New Japan. Oh, when are they going to come like, back to New Japan? And, and you know, because I know they're on impact so much. Any chance, because Osprey seemed to have been traveling so much between the U.S. and Japan, and now he's back in Japan, but it feels like Jay White has kind of stayed status quo in the U.S. Right. Well, you know... Um, if it were up to me and I was in charge of Jay White's bookings, I mean, I would have him doing a lot more, but, you know, some of that's probably up to him. Some of that's probably up to other, you know, factors that we're maybe not privy to. One thing I will know, I do know, we, we've been wondering why he hadn't been back to Japan, why he wasn't on Wrestle Kingdom. And, um, you know, the report recently came out and was confirmed by Kevin Kelly that he's trying to get his green card and has put in his application to become a U.S. citizen. When you have an application like that out there, you can't leave the state otherwise or uh, leave the country. Otherwise it voids. So he just bought a house too. Also in the U S with his, I believe his fiance. fiance I want well, to he's, he's local here in Tampa as many wrestlers are. So um, that that's the main reason why he hasn't been back to Japan. I'm sure, you know, once that's worked out, he'll be back over there. Um, as far as getting him and some of those other guys involved with new J- or with uh, AEW or even other companies, you know, Again, it's politics, you know. It's easy to to roll a big star out to like an indie because they're going to go over and they're going to add credibility and and draw, you know, money um, to those types of independent companies. But when you're doing like a talent exchange, I mean, there's a reason why like when Tomohiro Ishii came over, they didn't have him wrestle Brian Danielson. They had him in a tag match where like 
you know, we get to see him, he gets to partake in it, and he can beat a guy like Butcher or Blade, but it's a lot harder when you have him going up against a, a guy like Hangman Adam Page or something like that, because it's like, who's winning? Who's losing? Whereas, like, and Minoru Suzuki wrestled Brian Danielson, and... Suzuki is old. Yeah. That's the difference. Suzuki is a big enough star to where he can take a loss, and it yes. never actually matters, and he's been around forever, and that's a totally different thing as opposed to, like, a big established star. Like, Jay White... You know, would would Jay White and Kenny Omega do huge business? Yeah. Who's going to win? That's the real question. Who's losing and who's winning? Kenta was on AEW too. And, you know, that's the other thing too is like bringing AEW guys over. You know, there's always going to be input from uh, a guy like Tony Khan who's loaning his talent that's signed under contract. Sure, can they go over there and work? Yes. But are they going to, out of respect, speak to their boss and – Will he have any kind of voice when it comes to the the outcome of matches? Yep. And, you know, it's not like the New Japan Booking Committee is always going to maybe be down with that and vice versa. So you, you have to have two big companies with two big egos all come to agreements on things when, it, you know, that's why like with, uh, with the Kenta John Moxley thing, you know, they traded wins because that's probably what was pre-agreed by both companies. You know what I mean? And so it's it's it is tough. Really, Alex. Before you go, I'm going to ask a hint, I'm going to ask Josh a, a, a controversial question that I have gotten a lot of flack for on this show from certain people. Sure. Do you think God is overrated? Uh, no. I would say that they are. Um, are they a top ten tag team? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're definitely a top. Damn. <laughs> well, I mean, to be clear, I, I will say this. Um, I do think that the best tag team division in the world is in AEW. I think they've collected oh, yeah. the oh, greatest. I think New Japan is completely lacking right now. Uh, well, I mean, typically, yeah. I mean, but they're not a tag team promotion. That's you know what I mean? No, they're not. They, they never have been, you know. But, yeah. um, uh, you know, G.O.D., can they go out there and wrestle with the best of them? Yeah, I mean – We've seen matches with them in the Briscoes, and the Briscoes are a Hall of Fame tag level tag oh, team. And now you're getting now you're speaking. My, those, that's my favorite tag team. The yeah, well, team, so. Briscoes and God tore it up. You know, we've seen God tear it up with the Young Bucks. We see them tear it up with uh, Sonata and, and Evil. We see them have classic matches with any number of guys. So I mean, um, I wouldn't say they're overrated, but I also wouldn't say they're underrated. I think that most people are kind of aware of who they are, what they are. The one big stride that they've made this year is. Um, in singles competition, both of them have really kind of stood out in, in ways to where I wouldn't be surprised if we see them, um, once the borders kind of open up, kind of tagging less and doing a lot more singles work because that kind of seems to be the next step. There's there's not much left for them to do when it comes to tag team wrestling in New Japan. Go for it, Alex. So my next question is about Jonah. What did you think about his debut when he showed up at Battle in the Valley and took out Finn Juice, David Finley, and Juice Robinson, made his big state, uh, statement on the microphone saying he he's putting everyone on notice in the New Japan Pro Wrestling locker room. And then uh, what do you think about him competing on New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong? I think Jonah's a fantastic uh, talent. It's really hard for me not to call him Jonah Rock because that's how I know him. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, few years ago they did a tour of australia new japan did and he was one of the standout guys that was on that tour and it really seemed at the time that they were so high on him that he was going to get signed 
to New Japan. It, it ultimately ended up not happening. He ended up going to WWE, as we all know. And um, I think that they've done a really good job presenting him like a monster, putting him over very, very strong. Um, I'd like to see him kind of um, move on past the Finn Juice feud. I, I understand why they're doing it, but I think that there's some more interesting, creative things they could be doing long term. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's another guy that's ready to go. And once the borders open up, there's a long list of guys that he could be wrestling as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next year or two, he ends up being a strong openweight champion. That's how you know, dominant their positioning him to be. And, um, you know, another guy that WWE kind of dropped the ball with. The one big question, though, is, is he going to be signing with New Japan long-term? Because those strong deals, we don't really know all the parameters. I mean, he is, he's taken outside bookings, and I wouldn't be surprised if he is, uh, you know, somewhat of a free agent, ends up signing somewhere else. And, you know, from time to time, that's what we're kind of seeing with guys that, that show up on strong, they get that platform. And then maybe they go to NXT or maybe they go to Impact or they go to AEW or who knows, you know. Absolutely. It kind of reminds me of uh, Major League Wrestling when when stars like Buddy Murphy go there for a one-time appearance to see how much of a fan reaction they can get and how well they can get over with the crowd in that type of of arena and uh, background with MLW and then go off to a different promotion. Yeah, my, very similar. My last two questions I got for you. One is, what were your thoughts on the, the connecting basically the IC title and the heavyweight championship together? I know a lot of people liked it. Some did not like it. I was one of those that was not a fan of it. Um, I think the IC title was a very established historical title that I think should have been just kept individually. And then two... Are you hearing any rumors of any big-time stars that are still free agents that could go to New Japan? Like, because like I, I, the example for me was like Leo Rush had a contract signed by them, and then it just didn't happen with Leo. We had Leo on the show last year, very nice guy, everything like that, and it just did not happen. It's a shame because Leo would have been perfect for the junior division. Um, well, Leo Rush is working with New Japan. He does. He does stuff with World. I know he does stuff with New Japan World and stuff like that, but it's. I'm saying, like, if he were to have a match with, like, Hiromu or something like right. that, big-time match. Because, like, that's – I mean, that would be a fantastic – Hiromu versus Leo Rush would be – an. I don't even know if I'd even be able to keep up with it. It would be too quick for me in my eyes probably because there would just be a lot going on. Well, I can't sit here and say I know – you know, I don't know Leo Rush personally, and I can't sit here and say that I know the um, ins and outs of his uh, contracts with AEW and with New Japan. But uh, he did have a contract with New Japan at one time. He does have a contract with AEW. I believe that he's still allowed to work for New Japan since he's been showing up on um, New Japan Strong Takings. Mean, he was on the GCW show Sunday. So yeah. it's like he's really allowed to do other things. So I believe that New Japan is still invested in him and probably does have plans to bring him to Japan. I, I can't say that for sure, but uh, if I was, was to make a guess, when things open up, you'll probably see Leo Rush in Japan, most likely. Um as far as uh, addressing the title situation, um, you know, from a business perspective, you had two top titles that you could do a lot of business with when it came to uh, different tours, different shows, and then you cut down on the white belt. And at that point, like you took a title that was extremely established that you could use for your secondary shows and you got rid of it, but you didn't have anything. You didn't have either a, uh, 
you know, a, a big like superstar who's an attraction that could replace it. You didn't have another title with the same kind of lineage or prestige to replace it. And they, they're kind of trying. They've tried first with the title. Now it seems like they're shifting a bit to the U.S. title. But uh, yeah, that does seem to be a mistake just from a business perspective. They don't have another belt or gimmick or prize that they can draw the same level of, of interest with. So that's not a good thing. Um, as far as like the kayfabe, you know, um, the IWGP title, especially since New Japan's been on this run since like 2012, 2013 of high-end title matches and, and um, you know, big money attractions and, and all the gates they've done and all the lineage and the prestige and all the uh, title defenses. It's felt like for the past decade, at least, the IWGP title is, is like the most prestigious prize in all of wrestling, you know? And they went ahead and they unified them to try and create something that was greater than the sum of its parts. But when you get rid of the lineages and you get rid of the designs and you get rid of the history behind it, you kind of come up with something that uh, a lot of people are not a fan of. Plus a lot of people didn't like the design of this new belt as much as the old ones. And it, it just kind of seems like they created headaches for themselves that didn't really need to be there. Um, I personally loved the, I, I I've grown to like the design of the new title. Um, and you know, it is what it is. And, you know, it is the spiritual predecessor to the previous IWGP title, but I wish they would have kept at least the lineage of the IWGP title. It went back to 1987 or potentially 83, depending on who you ask. And uh, they got rid of that. And that just seems to be like backwards to me. And, um, you know, I, I think that they probably could have just added the name world to their belt and just continued on and, and avoided a lot of this, uh, the headache that they created for themselves. The first answer is there's always people that want to work for New Japan. Obviously, the the two big places in the states to work are going to be WWE or AEW, and then you know you've got your impacts and stuff like that. But you know when it when when you're talking about overseas and in Japan, most people want to work for New Japan. Most wrestlers that are out there, especially with how open you know the borders are when it comes to cross promotion, everyone wants to work for New Japan. So do I think that? Once things open, there's a lot of guys that are going to want to come over. Yes, especially with all the amounts of people that have been fired and let go from WWE. I mean, the the free agent market's so open that, like, you know, there's rumors of a third company springing up in the States, and that could be feasible, you know, if, if enough money was put behind it. I mean, I don't see why that couldn't happen. So that's, that's my first answer. Will it happen? Yes, it'll indefinitely happen unless something crazy happens and New Japan goes under or something like that. Pe people are going to come over. Um, the second answer is, do I think or know of anybody that's coming over? Yes. And because I do, I'm not going to speculate on anything <laughs> one way or the other. I was going to say, <laughs> you got me right before you said it. Uh, uh, but, but, but do I know if there are free agents that are out there that are going to be showing up in New Japan? Yes, I do. Awesome. And Perfect. there will be. All right, Alex, last one from you, man. So my last question is about Wrestle Kingdom 16. Which main event did you think was better in terms of the pay-per-view? Uh, Okada against Shingo or Okada against Osprey? Okada Osprey is the better match. I I really really loved it. I think it's the leading match that you're contender right now. And uh, yeah, it, it blew me away. I like I, you know, big Osprey fan, big Okada fan. I love Shingo too. I'm not as big a, a fan of the. Um, Okada Shingo series as everyone else's. They still have great matches, but I, I'm just never as high on those. But uh, you look at the cage match scores, you look at most people's ratings uh, on grapple, stuff like that. 
um, podcasts like mine and others, and almost everyone pretty much agrees unanimously that the Okada uh, Osprey match is the better main event. Well, Josh, listen, man, keep up the awesome, awesome work with keeping a strong style. We love it. We keep listening to it. Uh, we're definitely going to show. promote it your really show. Is. How can the fans reach out to you? How can they listen to the show? Yeah, um, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, we got to do it again. A few different Absolutely. plugs. So. Um, and this is written up by my co-host. Um, we do have merch out there. You guys can uh, get official Keeping a Strong Style t-shirts from ProWrestlingTees.com. Um, you know, you just go, you just look up Keeping a Strong Style. You can follow us on Twitter. Um, we are at Social Suplex, at KI Strong Style, at Jeremy L. Donovan. Um, follow us on Instagram. We're at Social Suplex. You can like us on Facebook. We're um, Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. Um, our website is socialsuplex.com. You can follow you can follow all of our shows there, news, columns, podcasts. Um, we have a Facebook group, uh, the Wrestling Squared Circle. You can follow us there. Um, you know, we're, we are a New Japan uh, podcast. That's what we're weekly. We cover it. It's a long show. It's like three hours most weeks, but um, in depth analysis. You know, we cover every show. We give you previews, predictions. Um, you know, we've been going and we do it. Every single week, we've been going for like four years. Um, so you guys can catch us there. One last thing, uh, we recently had our annual holiday show called the FOH Draft. Uh, that's members of my podcast as well as um, our flagship podcast, which is uh, One Nation Radio. We get together every December. We get extremely tanked and hammered and just blitz drunk. And we do an annual podcast where we talk about all the shittiest things in wrestling and we draft them, and we roast them on fire. Um, we do have that available on our socialsuplex.com website. If you just look up socialsuplex.com, FOH draft. Um, this year, we are charging for that. It's a donation-only um, you know, uh, format. So if you guys want to download it for free, you're welcome to do that. If you want to throw us $5, $10, $20, $100, whatever, um, we don't charge for anything that we do on Social Suplex. It's the one time a year that we put content out there. We kind of ask people to uh, give something, but let me tell you something. That show is fucking wild. So if you <laughs> haven't heard it and you want to hear something that's crazy, check that show out. A uh, big recommendation and, you know, uh, follow us every week. If, if you guys don't watch new Japan and you want to learn about it and get into it, we're the best source that are out there. I promise you. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Listen, man, we're going to keep in touch for sure. Hopefully you and your family doing tape are being safe with COVID and everything like that. And, Continue to do awesome, awesome uh, stuff. Continue to throw out the great content that you guys are doing. It's really, really awesome. Check it out. Keep a strong style podcast every week. It's great stuff. Check it. Listen to it. Um, Josh, we definitely want to have you on the show in the future for sure, man. Thanks a lot. And have a great weekend and enjoy wrestling this week. Hopefully check out the GCW show if you get a chance. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, man. Have you a too. good one. Yep. Keeping a strong style host, Joshua Smith. All right. When we come back. We're going to take a break. We're going to towel off a little bit. Uh, I think we need to. We'll take one commercial. Speedy, we'll do one. When we come back, we'll recap that interview. We might not be able to get to everything that we wanted to, but that's okay. We must. It is mandated. We have to get to the GCW show. Oh, but absolutely. It has to be absolutely. mandated. And I really want to get the thoughts on the... I, I want to get the thoughts on the Bully Ray situation because now Renee Paquette has gotten involved and she's really upset about it. 
understandably so. And I want to get Alex's thoughts. I don't know if you knew what, what was said. Or oh, no, I never knew what was said. About so um, we'll get into all that. Um, we're going to towel off. So when we come back, we're going to get into our recap of the Josh Smith interview, and we'll get to some GCW and a little AEW stuff. When we come back right here, this is Off the Mat on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to the Shield of Justice. I'm the Boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you! Oh, it's true! It's true! Now, welcome back to Off the Mat with Alex Lowe's, Josh Silverberg, and Lyle Gillen. We are back for the last 24 minutes or so. What am I? Yeah, about 24 minutes or so. Here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, this is Off the Mat with my co-host Alex Lowe's. I'm Josh Silver, Lyle Gillen is out there, and of course on the board, Speedy Petey. All right, Alex, let's get to it. What is something that stood out to you that Josh said? So what stood out to me from that interview was when he mentioned the, uh, the uh, New Japan and New Japan Strong, the differences between those shows, and when he, thought, when he thinks that uh, the borders are going to open up. And it sounds like it's going to be a while before we can have any anybody like Kenta go over to the U.S. and have another go at AEW or have uh, uh, Lance Archer possibly bounce back over to New Japan and do a show there. And me, my thought process was, first off, the kid knows his stuff. Um, oh, by far. Yeah, he's, he's, he's older he's than amazing. I am. I say kid, he's older than me. Um, but um, something that really stuck out to me was the fact that I'm glad he agreed with me with the whole headache of the ch- of the championship combination together. Um, to me, I found it pointless, causing a problem. And I'm glad that he also agreed with me on the whole evil situation, that I thought it was something that I didn't agree with. I got what they were trying to do. He said exactly what I would have said. They, they were, I, we understood what they were trying to do with him, but it wasn't the best option. So to me, it was a great interview. We definitely want to get him back on the show. All right, we'll touch on this really quickly. The whole Cody Rhodes situation with him being a free agent. Um, listen, I'll let Alex go after me. I'm just going to nip it in the bud. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. He's not going anywhere. He's staying in AEW. He's an EVP there. He's not doing anything. He has a show on TBS. There's a partnership there. He's not leaving. It's a whole thing. Um, so to me, he's not going anywhere. I don't think he's going anywhere. People were mentioning he might be at the Royal Rumble. I don't see that happening at all. It's a pointless rumor, a pointless prediction. Because it, it, Cody Rhodes, he started with AEW, and he's going to stay in AEW. And I'm really looking forward to see what they do with him next. I know the fans are not too keen on him being a good guy. They kind of want him to be a heel. It's the same thing with John Cena when he was in WWE and everybody wanted him to be a heel and like go heel full time. And Vince McMahon didn't really want to push that idea because he was a, a, he was a symbol to so many kids, like so many kids looked up to him. So really, that's the reason why WWE didn't pull the trigger on that heel persona for John Cena. And the same could be possibly said about Cody Rhodes. So, really quick, I want to touch on the John Moxley situation. First off, I completely agree with Renee as John's wife on this one. Um, 
and everything like that. I don't know if Alex might have froze. Oh, yeah, my screen's frozen. It'll come yeah. back. So, all right, he'll come back in a second. But I wanted to touch on this uh, really quickly. Alex, whenever you fix your screen, but you can hear me though, right? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. So, the comment that Bully Ray made on Busted Open this past week was this, and I quote, I did enjoy that they started off with Moxley. Bully said they came out with a bang. People were ready for it. And Moxley said what we needed to say, what he needed to say. I would have liked to have heard just a little bit of accountability from John. I understand the whole demons thing and that we always use the word demons as a creative word to get around the real issues, whether it's an alcohol issue, whether it's a drug issue. In Tommy's case, it's an eating issue. Nice. Everybody has some kind of demon that they have to get around. Um... I'm I'm trying to figure out what accountability John is what bully is talking about. Yeah, I have no idea what he's you know, talking about in terms of To me, of this was a personal and by the way, Mox looks like he lost a ton of weight. It looks oh, Mox looks way better. He looks yeah, he, in a, like amazing. It's he like looks way better for sure. If he looks exactly the same as he did when he was in the shield, like a couple years ago. Um to me, I think Bully is wrong here. Yeah, he is wrong. In the sense that he, I don't know what accountability needs to be discussed. I mean, he took something, you know, he, he, he was taking care of something that was a very serious thing. He has a new, mm-hmm. he has a baby at home. He has a wife. He has a family. He wants to help himself physically and mentally. That's okay. Yeah. It's completely allowed. Yeah. To me, that this was just something that I, I, I didn't understand what where Bully was coming from. It was confusing and mind-numbing and... I don't get it, but um, do you have the GCW card up? Yeah, I have it right up in front of me. All so, right. We're going to get the GCW The World at Hammerstein Ballroom. Our co-host, Lyle Gillen, is actually going to be there Sunday. He's actually taking a shirt home for me from the event, which I'm very excited about. I wish I was going to this show, um, but what's the card, Alex? So the first match is a pre-show match, and this is going to be on YouTube. Uh, Jack Cartwheel versus Dante Leon against Ninja Mac, Nick Wayne, Jim Reefer, and Alex Zane. I'm very excited to see Alex Zane compete in like a match like this. I have not seen him perform since I saw him live at the St. Pete Ballroom in 2020. So I'm really looking forward to see what new things he has learned in terms of uh, in-ring style. And then the second match is not announced yet, but it's, it, it's a battle royale. Mm-hmm. I think they haven't really disclosed what that is. Yeah. Number three is Matt Cardona with Chelsea Green against Joey Janela in a singles match. That'd be fun. Jer- Jeff Jarrett against Effie in a singles match. That match, I'm very curious how that match is going to get done. Because what I want to see, first off, Effie is a wonderful character. I love what he does in the ring. I'm curious how much of the limit... Jeff Jarrett is going to go in this match. I agree. Uh, his promo, is, at, his outlaw promo was really good the other yeah, day. Yeah, it was very good. The one yesterday, um, it was a very good promo from him. Um, if you haven't gotten to check it out, check it out on GCW's Twitter page. It's, um, I, I'm curious how far the limits will go in this match. So yeah. I'm wondering if they're even allowed to go as far as they can in this match. But TCW, we'll they can do whatever they want. And then number five I'm really looking forward to is Ali Catch against Ruby Soho. 
Oh, this oh, is Ruby's gonna, gonna get Ruby's gonna get Boo out of the building. Oh, he's gonna get you. Ruby's gonna get Boo out of the building. And then number six is Team Bandito, ASF Bandito, and Laredo Kid against Team Gringo as Demonic Flamita and Gringo Loco. And then number seven is the Briscoes with their open tag team uh, challenge. Uh, that's for Which the really team. quick. Do you have a guess on who you think that team is going to be? Oh, I think it's FTR. I think it's FTR. I don't think so. You don't think it is? No, I think. Or you I think mean, it's... I want to say it's FTR, but the thing is, Tony has FTR, and it reports out that Briscoe signed with AEW. Um, which, by the way, AEW dropped the ball. If the Briscoe signed with the AEW, then they should have showed up this past Wednesday. But if it's not FTR, you know who I'd really want to see thrown in there? If they if they can get well on time, because right now they have COVID, but I don't see them getting... If they were to get healthy on time, would be uh, the Von Eriks. Von Eriks would be good. I mean, I don't know if they fit the mantra of GCW. Um... I mean, I could see a Ring of Honor team showing up. I think FTR is just too obvious. It'd have to be somebody like Alex Shelley and uh, Matt Seidel. That would make sense. No, that would be... The fans would riot. The GCW fan base is kind of like the ECW fan Oh, yeah, they're like... They're not going to accept that. Um, Let's see, it could be FTR. I just think if they're going to do it, I think it'd be on AEW television. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. you never know, but... And then the next one is Jordan Oliver... Against PCO, Leo Rush, Alex Cologne, Tony Deppin, and Jimmy Lloyd in the Grab the Brass Ring ladder match. So the stipulation of this match is whoever wins this ladder match has a future shot, and they can go after any title they want if they win this match. Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, I guess minus PCO, it's a, it's a good lineup. I mean, I'm not a big PCO fan. I think I know PCO is a crazy guy. Um, and he just signed with Impact. Um, but to me, um, but again, this goes back to my point that I asked Josh, right, about with Leo. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, he hasn't been on AEW programming. No. It seems like Jay Letho has taken his place in the rivalry with Dante Martin against Team Taz. Mm-hmm. And Leo's at GCW. It's like, so it would only make sense for it to come down to these two people, Leo Rush and Jordan Oliver. Oh, I don't know about Leo because Leo's very busy. There's a problem. I think Leo has so much going on right now with New Japan and his rap album and AEW. I just think, like, it would be cool if Leo won, but I just think it, it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's just like he has so much going on right now that it would be like, I don't know. We'll see. As long as it's not PCO, I don't care. And number nine is a match I'm really interested to see is Jonathan Grisham defending. You're interested in every match. <laughs> not everyone. You Just said like, it. Ones that are in the title picture. I'm really excited about this match. I'm really interested in this match. A Ring of Honor World Championship match. Jonathan Grisham against Blake Christian. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, Grisham is one of the most underrated talents in professional wrestling. And uh, Grisham is, a, uh, you know, Grisham to me... Is somebody that could carry a match. Um, he's really starting to um, expose himself in the per se that he's getting exposed to different um, companies. Yeah. Like he's doing a lot of impact. He's doing independent scenes. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think it'll be good. 
And then we have John Moxley defending the GCW World Championship against Homicide. So Homicide was originally in TNA. He was in LAX. He was an original member with LAX with Hernandez and Conan. That was the original LAX back in the day. In oh, wow. And um, um, big on the indie scene. Um, very big on the indie scene, Homicide. Um, Mox will win, I think. Um, and then it depends on that's the last match, right? That you have. Yeah, that's the main event. That's the last. Um, the biggest question mark for me going into Sunday night is, and I already, I know you already purchased the pay per view, so did I. Um, it's only twenty five. It's only twenty five bucks. Yeah, twenty five bucks. Bargain for a pay per view. Um, the question I have is, um, and he will be at the show because he is the face of GCW. Is where is Nick Gage? going to fit in this card. Um, I think Nick Gage is going to be a surprise at some point. And I was having a conversation with a fan um, about Nick Gage being on the, that was the thing that Effie liked was, will Nick Gage be at the show? Um, Which he will be. I think they want to keep it low key and a surprise when he comes out because it's going to be a, um, a reaction that he very much deserves. He's yeah. been a flag bearer for GCW. Uh, to me, when you look at when you think of GCW, the first name I think of is it's Nick Gage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's literally with the light tubes and the tables and the barbed wire and the death matches and all this crap. Um, so to me, I, I, I they're going to give Nick his. His proper reaction, whether that's him being in a match or that's him making an appearance maybe at the end of the show and looking face-to-face with Mox again. Because um, remember, I believe he lost to Moxley already. Um, so Yeah, it would only make sense for him to come out at the end. At the end of the I mean, it would, but at the same time, I, get the, I think he deserves I – mean, this is GCW's biggest show – to date, because this is the biggest crowd they've ever they've ever had, I think he deserves the right to wrestle mm-hmm. on the card. He's from New Jersey. He's not far from where New York. Obviously, he's not far from where the Hammerstein is in New York. Um, I think he deserves the right to have his moments, per se. Um, I've just been very curious. How they're going to let him have his moment? Is it going to be? Is he going to be in the battle royal? Which I would be disappointed. That's. I wish he was having like a like a. Um, I mean, there's going to be enough violence as it is on the show. Okay. I'm just curious if they're going to give him one of those those death match. Are they going to let him have one of those death matches? Are they going to let him do his thing that Nick normally does? Or are they just going to let him come out and make an appearance? Which I think would be foolish. It would be um, foolish not to let him do his thing. You mean let him have a match? Yeah. Um, I don't know. If he's in the Battle Royal, I'd be disappointed. Um, um, the Soho match, Ellen Katz is, is going to win. I can't see Soho winning that match, but you never know. The brass ring match, I'm not even sure who's going to win that match. Um, I think it comes down to Alex Cologne. Uh, I think Cologne has been there for so long already. And uh, Jordan Oliver. Those three people. 
yeah, I think he deserves to have his moment. Um, you, you know, I think Mox is going to win his match against Homicide. I think whoever the Briscoes face, they're going to win. I think GCW wants them to have the tag belts for a while. They bring instant credit. They're one of the top yeah. tag teams in the world, so they bring instant credibility. To one of their championships, I think it makes a lot of sense. So to me, I think this yeah. is going to be a great show. It's going to be a oh, part. I'm very jealous. Show. I'm not going. Five star show. I don't miss big wrestling shows. I've never missed a big wrestling show. I was at. I've been at WrestleManias. I was at AEW Grand Slam. I was at G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden. I. I don't miss big shows. Mm-hmm. This is. I. I don't think I've ever missed a big show, in New York. This is going to be the first big show that I miss. Yep. Um, but the reason I'm missing it is because of my son. Yeah, to protect him. To, because I'm not bringing anything home that might. No, you don't want to do that. Um. So that's why I'm watching it from home. He'll probably sit on my lap and watch with me. And then my wife's gonna say, "Please don't let him watch that." You know, I'm gonna be like, "Well, he's only like three months. Really, he doesn't know what's going on." You know what I'm saying? They don't know what's happening. Um. But um. You know, I think um. It's going to be a great show. I'm very excited for Yeah, I'm excited for I'm excited for Lauderdale. Um, I think Joe, I think Janelle Cardona is going to be underrated as well. Um, so, we'll see. Um, let's get into a little AEW, Alex. We had a very nice we had a very nice AEW oh. card this week. Oh, we did. And there's one important thing I really want to get to and talk about, and I mentioned to you I mentioned it to you earlier this week cuz I posted about it on Twitter and I saw it last week too. And you can see the expressions on uh, Santana and Ortiz's faces when um, Chris Jericho tried to back himself up against. And, uh, and that's where it comes in with Dynamite this week. Yeah. With Jericho. I'm saying LAX is going to form with Eddie, uh, Eddie Kingston and Ortiz and Santana are going to form together. I think it's Jericho. longer to do. Um, yeah. I think the inner circle has kind of had their run at this point. Um. You know, to to me, um, I've always been enamored with the idea. I don't think because when Santana Ortiz came to the company, remember they beat up the Young Bucks and they beat up oh the they Lucha destroyed Bucks everybody and the Lucha Bros um, after the ladder match. And I think they've only wrestled for the tag belts once, maybe I think once, once or twice. Yeah, in three years, which is crazy. Um, um, and now the tag team division is even more stacked. And if they and if AW and the rumors are true that they did sign the Briscoes, it becomes even more stacked and more yeah. trying to fit everybody in at once on a show that's only two hours. And now you add House of Black, that's another tag team that's yep. in AEW. So you're adding more with Red Dragon and 2.0 and mm-hmm. the best friends with Beretta Trent being back. And, and then the Jurassic Express. Jurassic Express. And then you have Rapungi. You know, you know Vice, yep. Vice reuniting, and then you have the Young Bucks still, and then you, it goes on and on and on and on, and the Lucha Bros, and and you know, there's just FTR, and there's there's a there's a you know there's a billion tag teams that I probably forgot to mention, and then you got the the Gun Club. No, the Gun Club sucks. I can't say the Ass Boys. I call them the Ass Boys. Mm. They don't like, they don't like it though. They but the Dan Housen calls them. That's why they're called the Ass Boys. Um. But to me, I thought the House of Black debut was interesting, and then the pack thing at the end was what I like. What AEW did was cool. Was they did a split screen where they had the pack doing the promo, 
and they had Black's reaction to the promo where it wasn't one or one the screen, other. yeah, it's one way or the other, which yeah. I thought was extremely creative on their part. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and then of course the whole thing with MJF and CM Punk and Punk beating Sean Spears in like three seconds was—I knew that was going to happen. It was obvious. Did you? Yeah. I didn't think. I thought, I thought, I thought Spears would have put up a, a fight, you know. Um, but to me, I I just felt that it was, um, you know. Yeah. yeah, but it's only it's only a matter of time before uh, Santana or, and Ortiz split off with Inner Circle. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I think so. And then uh, and now they have the Adam Cole Orange Cassidy lights out match next week at Beach Break, so that'd be interesting. Um, so. Yeah, but Alex, it, it is time to get to our finishing move now because we got to get off where Weapon's Hot in a few minutes mm-hmm. and let them get their stuff together, let them segue in. So what is your – actually, I think we talk, I think we covered every topic that we said we were going to talk Yeah, we, we did. did. So that, look at that. Look at us. Yep. So my us? finishing move is actually a video that my friend sent me about WWE, and it's called The Decline of WWE, What Happened is the Title, and it's by Superkick Studios. I highly recommend going checking out this video because it tells you the history of WWE and it tells you the longevity of how many viewership WWE had in the 90s up until now. And it's a drastic, drastic difference. I mean, in 1999, in the video, it says that Monday Night Raw had 8.1 million viewers. Now Monday Night, now Monday Night Raw only gets 1 to 2 million. It's crazy. You see the numbers just drastically drop. My finishing move is about GCW this weekend. This is a massive, massive opportunity for GCW. Yep. And Brett Lauderdale has come out and said it. I am not doing a weekly show. I am going to continue to do the sporadic shows. So I keep the fans wanting more. Mm-hmm. Genius strategy. Um, and to me... I think what makes it even better is the people that want to take part in GCW, the people that want to now be a part of it. You can make the case GCW is now the best, not the best thing. Behind AEW is now arguable. You can make the case behind AEW and WWE, one of the more popular companies in the United States. And there's a real argument to that. So good for GCW. I want to thank Joshua Smith again from Keeping a Strong Style Podcast for joining us tonight. Don't forget, here's how you can check out our show every Friday from 5.30 to 6.55 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You download our app. You go to the, you go to the Apple Store. If you have an iPhone, you type in WWSRN. You have an Android. You go to the Google Play Store. type in Worldwide Sports. Check us out there. Our show schedules, articles, all of our video clips, audio clips, things you want to rewatch, you're going to re-listen to. You can check out our show on the audio feed if you're driving. You can also listen on the smart speaker and tell Alexa to play it. WorldwideSportsRadio.com or on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Periscope, and Twitch. We're all over the place, all over social media platforms. So the Ultimat WWSRN website is in our Twitter bio. You click on that and you get access to a show and pay-per-view schedule for 2022. You get a show archive and you can contact us directly from our Gmails from that website. So please be sure to check out all the available content there. Awesome. Alex, it was a pleasure doing the original show with you, man. The original crew. This was it. It was awesome. It was a great show. We had a great time. Oh, yeah, we did. Amazing. Lyle should be back next week. 
Um, we are going to preview the Royal Rumble next week. We're gonna get a, we're gonna recap GCW. We're gonna recap AEW. We're gonna do all that stuff. Until then, this is for Lyle Gillen, for Speedy Petey, for Alex Lowe's. I'm Josh Silverberg. Enjoy SmackDown tonight. Enjoy Rampage tonight. Enjoy GCW on Sunday. Go check it out. It's going to be a great show. Enjoy all your wrestling this weekend and next week. And we're looking forward to speaking to you then. Until next time, take care. Have a good night. You've been listening to Off the Mat on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out Weapons Hot coming up next with CJ DeSimone and the boys. Kenny Omega, what do you have to say? Good night, everybody. I must beat you, a Jew. So stay with me now if you know it. Goodbye. And good night. Thank you for listening to Off The Mat on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Your source for all things wrestling and sports entertainment. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.